Hi, and welcome to the Shame Pile podcast, uh, where every fortnight we'll bring you along our never-ending journeys to conquer our piles of video game shame. So, my name is Lee, and I am joined by my co-host, Sean. Hi, thanks. I, I know she still stumbled through it a bit, even though you're reading it, like, word for word, off the screen. I didn't even read it word for word off the screen! Uh, well, well, we could all tell. I hate you so much. You constantly complain, but you hate doing it yourself. <laughs> yep. You're the worst. How's your shame pile going? My shame pile is not too bad. I think I've completed another game. I may have added another game. It's pretty steady. I stay pretty steady. Cool. Nice. You know, I think I've, what, completed 81 games and I have 166 left to go. Do you think or do you know? Well, I did check uh, my backlog like a couple hours ago, so I'm pretty close to the right numbers and I'm restraining myself from going to the website now to get the absolute accurate number so everyone doesn't have to listen to my typing. Yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, I guess I'll talk about mine because I'm pretty much in the exact same boat. A very steady, I've um, what do you call it? Very steady adding to completion ratio, one to one, or in reality three to three. So I completed three different games: Ratchet and Clank, Pokemon Sun, and Hard Reset. Uh, but then I also added uh, Ukulele, which I, I think I mentioned last podcast, actually. I think it came out the day of that one, or the day afterwards. Um, I also added We Were Here and The Long Dark. Yeah, so I think we're... We're also doing pretty similarly in the fact that, like, you have sort of three times my games to start with, and you, yeah. like finish and add three times my amount of games yeah it's true like i have i think like 320 odd games remaining but I've yeah see this is terrible yeah. there's no way for me to beat you if i keep being consistent i'm going to have to up my progress yeah that's it so what game are you talking about uh so today i was going to talk about the adventure game maze now that's M-A-I-Z-E, right? Yes, it is. Like the corn. Nice. Deliberately, because Maze is a adventure game where you're exploring a large facility where a couple government scientists uh, accidentally or more they misinterpreted their instructions and instead of creating something useful, they made sentient corn. So, so it was basically Half-Life. Yeah, yeah. if Half-Life <laughs> was like ten times as short and with, um, and more comical. So how how do they accidentally uh, create sentient corn? Or oh, actually, so well, sorry, they purposely created sentient corn. How do they misinterpret the instructions? Well, they were given very vague instructions and a very large amount of money. So, so with the instructions like, uh, we need some kind of uh, uh, sentience, I don't know, corn, a sentence, corn, maize, popcorn. I, I'm not 
not really sure. This isn't, uh, you know, it doesn't go into sort of that level of detail because uh, that happened several years ago. You're now in the aftermath of we made the corn. Uh, that's like the most interesting point. The, po- the point where they they just someone thought it was a great idea to um, to basically create sentient corn. Yeah, so they made the sentient corn. They built a ridiculously giant and inefficient like research facility. They just basically burned their money on useless projects, and it's delightful. Was it like Better Off Ted, where they had to like weaponize uh, pumpkins? It seems like that was more where it was going. Like that was probably the avenue that they were meant to be going along, and this is where they ended up. Like, I can't tell you anymore, because when you get the memo about it, you don't actually read the memos. Everything is just described with a comical, like, little short thing about how this was a vague memo from the government uh, giving them a research project and a large amount of money. So what you're saying is they, um, they actually broke one of the rules of narrative, which is to tell and not show. Well... Yes and no, because I feel like you're learning more about your character from their descriptions uh, as opposed to the other way the around. journey of self-discovery. Somewhat. So as you can tell, this is a light-hearted game. Uh, it's fairly comical. I really enjoyed the humour, but humour is very divisive, and I can understand that some people won't find it as funny so it's very difficult to like strongly recommend humor games because it's a very personal thing yeah what you enjoy and what you don't so this is it's very silly humor it's very light-hearted it's not particularly referential like you're not going to find lots of references to either other games or like other movie tropes and things it's all sort of originally written it's not always i would say if it had one flaw it's that in some cases it's not particularly surprising like sometimes you can see the jokes coming so that might wear on you possibly getting towards the end of the game you might find the style of jokes starting to wear on you or the repeated jokes you might some people might find that they're not so, like, you know, if you don't find a running joke funny, then by the time you get to the end of the game, you're not going to enjoy it at all. Yeah, I mean, running jokes can get a bit tiring, even if they are funny on the initial part. I think one of the problems is that humour often comes from, it's, it's all about timing and delivery, and so when the joke's repeated, you expect it, and therefore it loses it, the initial humour of it. Yeah, so I... Like, I enjoyed it. I enjoy, like, going about sort of a ridiculous facility and getting, and, like, the ridiculous situations and things. Um, Sometimes, like, the written jokes are a bit more hit and miss, but they're, like, I guess you'd say the story or the place you are was entertaining for me. So, I imagine it's a bit like um, a, a Monkey Island game cross half-life portal-esque yeah it is sort of monkey island in that you are finding various items each one has a humorous description and you then need to combine them in different ways to solve puzzles and are they absolutely like 
have no relation to the thing they're solving. Like Monkey Island, how you, you pull the random fake chicken out and turn it into a smart dress casual suit. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> uh, the chicken actually turns into the pulley to get across to the That's other right. island. That's right, yes. No, it wasn't the so, other island. It was the in the circus tent, wasn't it? You had to you No. No? Uh. No, in the circus tent, I think you had to use, like, a soup pot as a helmet. That's right. So the worst one, I think, was the monkey, that you had to, like, rearrange the monkey's arms so that it was a monkey wrench to, like, turn a screw or something like that. That that was a horrible pun. I know. And if you didn't get the pun, like, sort of straight off, so there was no way you were going to get it. You're like, I have no idea how to solve this. So, so Maze is similar? Um, it's similar in that that is the gameplay style, but this is very simple. So it's not difficult puzzles. You're always going to know, like, you might not know what that item you're going to, that you've picked up, you might not know what you're going to use it for, but when you get to the point, it'll have, like, a going outline, like, this was what goes here. So the hardest part is, like, finding all the various bits and pieces. It's not a difficult game. It's also very linear. I think it, while in some ways it's fairly humorous in the way that they've done it and they've got a nice sort of inbuilt story reason for why it's going on, I think they guide the player a little too much into where they should be and where they should go. I think they could probably dial that back. But it does mean that, you know, you're never stuck it's fairly easy to move through. If you're looking for a, like a more involved puzzle game, this isn't it. If you're looking for sort of a lighthearted way to spend sort of uh, maybe about three hours, then this is pretty good. That's a, yeah, that's a really good point because a lot of those games, you get to a point where you genuinely have no idea what to do. And like in the case of games like Monkey Island where you have to do some outrageous modification of an item you already have or click on the right thing at the right time to go to a new area which has all the secrets you need and you get to a point where either you spend hours trying to work it out and just randomly stumble upon it or you turn to the internet do do yeah do you think that it's it's better to be directed um i think you need more of a middle ground between here and Monkey Island. So here is almost a bit too simple, and in some ways I think it's to this game's uh, sort of... not detriment, the opposite of detriment. To the benefit! Uh, Yeah. Uh, Because in a longer game, I think you would get more tired of like some of the jokes and some of the storylines like this is a short game experience and trying to stretch it out longer it wouldn't be entertaining as a short game it helps to be to keep it short to help guide you through but if you were structuring the gameplay much more around the puzzle element as opposed to the sort of story and comedy that this is sort of more based around then it needs to be more difficult i think Monkey Island, it's it's less that Monkey Island was hard 
the problem with games like that, it isn't like it's hard in that you don't know how to figure out the puzzle. It's hard in that you don't know what you're doing. So I think for puzzle games, you should never not understand the puzzle. You should never not understand how you're meant to progress. Yeah. You should just have to, you know, be like, here is my puzzle that I'm working out. Now I have to puzzle it out. Or if it, even if it is quite hard to figure out, once you do figure it out, you can sort of think, oh, that was obvious or you know oh, i could have got there in the end if maybe if i just thought it a slightly different way you don't want to feel like you couldn't solve the puzzle because it was just too many steps in logic or it just didn't make any sense yeah you don't it's never like fun to be working on like whether it is fighting an enemy and like an fps or something or working in a puzzle game to not know if you're even approaching it the right way. So for an enemy, if you're like, I'm not sure if this weapon is even doing any damage. Maybe I'm doing this wrong. Yeah. Or in a puzzle, it's like, I'm not sure if I even have all the right items for this, or if I'm meant to be trying to push this button at this point in time. Or I think that's one of. The, I think one, I was say that's one of the reasons why in games like um, I'd say, thinking back Zelda where the bit you have to hit is the glowy part and it, you know it visually vibrates or recoils when you hit the glowy part so that's an example of where it's giving you a massive hint as to what you need to do to com to complete that part yeah i think there's a really good video on what is the one where they explain game design that uh, video series extra credits Extra credits? Yeah, isn't it? Where they speak in the high-pitched voices Sounds... and it's all drawn cartoony. Yes, I think that's right. They have a... One of their earlier episodes was about, like, what makes satisfying gameplay is you do something... is like, you push a button, the thing you push the button on does something, and then there's a response. Yeah. So you click the button, the gun goes bang, and then you see a response on the monster, so you know what you did has an effect. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think this is... Um, it's very simple. No, you're not going to get stumped. I think if you went into it looking for puzzles or really involved gameplay, you will be disappointed. Um, it's quite nice to look at, I think. I think they did a really good job of making everything, like, interesting and fun to walk around in. Well, sorry, what is the... Is it, like, a side cartoon-drawn side game? Like, kind of like Monkey Island and all those general point-and-click adventures? No, it's a uh, first-person. Oh, so it's not a point-and-click adventure. No, it plays, like, a adventure because you are going around collecting items combining items but it's from a first person oh, perspective yes right okay no i think yeah you did say it was just adventure you didn't mention actually what the sort of I don't know, layout is but yeah yeah absolutely so i think what i would say for people is because humor is such a divisive thing and because this is actually quite a short game I wouldn't recommend you buy it at full price, which is twenty dollars. US dollars. Yeah. yeah, it's too short for that. I would say, 
So I think you should, like, people should do what I did and buy it. Like, I bought it in the Christmas sales this year. When you see it go on sale and if you're looking for something, like, a bit more lighthearted than if you're like me, I've also been playing Outlast and I wanted something <laughs> nice and light in contrast to that, then it's good. And if you enjoy sort of lighthearted adventure games, if you're looking for anything more, you're not going to find it here. And if you're looking for a longer experience, you also won't find it here. So I wouldn't pay the $20 for it, but I would pick it up for less than that. Yeah, nice. I will probably pick it up then, because I do like those kind of games, and I like short games as well. I think um, I think humor games work better on a shorter basis. Yeah, I think so too. And yeah, I just wait for this one to go on sale. Nice. Through Steam? Which, yep, it's on yeah, Steam yeah, right now. Yeah, you did say Steam Christmas sales, yeah. Yeah, I picked it up on the Steam Christmas sales. It was released December last year, so perfect timing. Yeah. But, you know, it's Steam. It'll definitely go on sale again. And, you know, ten times a year for the next 40 years. Pretty much. Nice. Alright, what are you talking about today? I'm going to talk about Pokemon Sun. Which I so is that Pokemon number three hundred and sixty-seven? Where are we? Oh, at? I don't know, like three hundred and twelve. We don't need this kind of attitude, to be honest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, uh, Pokemon games are a little bit funny in that respect because there are a lot of Pokemon games, and you've got your sort of core series of handheld games. You have your um, Stadium like your Pokemon Stadium games, you have the Mystery Dungeon games, which are kind of roguelike, RPG-ish kind of games. There's Pokemon Snap on Nintendo 64, like, you know, 15 years ago, which is a great game, by the way. Um, but yeah, so as far as the core series of games go, it's part of what's called the seventh generation. Okay, so for someone like me, who... My only experience of Pokemon would be Pokemon Go and briefly seeing the cartoon and being like, nah, yeah. I'm not that interested. These these core games are what I think of when I think of Pokemon and everything else that you talked about just then when mostly what I heard was Pokemon, Pokemon, Pokemon would not be things I'd recognize, yeah, right? Yeah, which is fair. So, um, so yeah, the, the core series is about two or three games released every generation and the, the way the generations are divided is that it basically signifies the release of a new set of pokemon on top of the previous ones what will happen is that say when they released um the previous generation which is the sixth generation that was pokemon x and y they also released a sort of re um remastered or not remastered but redone previous versions from about 10 years ago and so each generation ends up having, within it, I don't know, yeah, three, four games associated with it. Okay, so let me see if I understand. So each generation will have additional yes. Pokemon added. It will have its yep. own games, which I think yep, they normally come in correct. pairs, right? And then within that generation, they'll also re-release some of the old games but like remastered yes. or brought up to date doing, do doing they then that, add they've been doing it more often lately i mean it's probably just a cash grab but 
yeah, that's basically what's been happening the last five, ten years. Yeah, do they then add in to these re-released games the extra Pokemon, or is it just the ones that they came with originally? I believe not. I believe it's all the Pokemon that came in them originally, but if you were to, tr- you could, means you can trade with someone from the newer generations, and trading in those new Pokemon won't like, yeah, you you can do it. the The game will recognize those Pokemon. Oh, okay, that's actually really interesting. That in the re-released ones, you can uh, trade with people. Yeah, well, in the I think that's the games. whole point of it, really. And also because you can't get all the Pokemon in one game, essentially, um, you need to be able to trade with other previous games to get all of them is that coming from the outside is that a frustrating part of pokemon that you cannot get all the pokemon unless either you have all these other versions that came out unless you buy all the games or know someone who has the other games Uh, is that frustrating not at all and the reason why is because there is over 800 pokemon and so the the goal of uh catching them all as the slogan goes is not is near impossible the amount of time and if you'd have to sink into it is just ridiculous to get all the pokemon to get all the legendary pokemon to get any pokemon that came through special events it's just it's near impossible so there's no for me there's no real compulsion to even try i always thought that was uh yeah the aim and like it was like a ridiculous time sink, but that's what people yeah. were after. So I, I, I was one of the people who bought the first game, Pokemon Red, that came out in Australia anyway, and I did manage to catch all 150 Pokemon. Of course, back then, being a child, I had a bit more time on my hands, and it was only 150. And I guess that was quite, that was quite the effort back then. Because you had to, you know, evolve the Pokemon you had. You had to get certain items to be able to evolve them. You had to trade them with your friends to for certain evolutions to happen. And that's basically how you populate your Pokedex. Whereas now, because there are so many, I don't really feel like I need to or want to. Okay, so if catching them all is no longer like, the achievable or feasible goal for the game, is the actual game story uh, improving, like, the game quest? Because from vague memories of just listening to people talk, it was not that involved originally, like, kind of just pasted on top of, like, a collection game. Yeah, well... I could be very wrong. What I was actually going to talk about was kind of what the games are at their core and then talk about how it, it has changed and so i will i will mention how the questing has changed i guess you would call it um so I, I guess you sort of understand you might understand the core concept of pokemon which is you know started like 20 years ago as well and also helps sort of frame where the games are now i think so the game okay well give us uh like quick history essay. and essay no. on Pokemon's I gonna, evolution. Well, I was going to say, the game started off 150 Pokemon to catch in total. In every game, you get one. You get to start with one of three Pokemon who are traditionally a fire, water, or grass type. Basically, what you did in the original is you moved through a region, 
called Kanto. It's in a way, it's almost open worldy to a certain extent. I mean, very limited. You can only go in certain. You know, you can't try and go up mountainsides or anything like that. But you know, you walked around a top from a top-down view, a region called Kanto, which is actually an island in Japan. Maybe sort of exploration. Yeah, you can find little hidden areas and that kind of stuff. It, it's very sort of old. It's basically what open world was before Ubisoft dug their fingers into it. I'd say. Um, as you move through the region, you the idea is that you verse eight different gems, so sort of more stronger than average um, Pokemon trainers who you beat, and then you get a badge. Once you get your eight badges, you can then um, face the elite four. And then once you beat them, you become the champion of the region. That was kind of that. That is essentially Pokemon. Um, you there was always a subplot at the same time, and the subplot was based on whatever evil gang-like team occupied the area. In the first game, it was Team Rocket, which are the ones from the TV show. And so I know that their yep. leader was trying to I can't even remember take over the region or just steal Pokemon. And so you were there every step of the way, foiling them in doing that. And it was, it was just an, ex- an auxiliary um, additional thing. It didn't really add much to it. The game wasn't about that. It just sort of happened as you went through the areas. Um, but it also was a way of basically blocking you from progressing past certain points before you did things. So you would have certain individuals who'd be standing in the way of a path that you need to go through and you couldn't go through until you beat that you know auxiliary boss um, or beat that trainer they also had a set of moves as well where like such as flying around or surfing or using strength to move things or cut to cut things that also you can only get at certain points of the game and they'll block you from moving around to certain areas basically block you from progressing okay until you got to a certain level you can't progress you know Exactly right, yeah. So it was kind of, you needed to basically work at a couple of different things at once. And, you know, it was part of making your Pokemon stronger, beating the gym leaders, getting into certain areas without um, having all your Pokemon knocked out and therefore sent back to a Pokemon center. And was this kind of a grindy process in the original games or fairly natural? Fairly natural. I never had to spend, if I did have to spend some time training up my Pokemon... It was. It it was probably because I didn't I got them later in the game or I hadn't spent enough time training in in the right way or I was too I'd spread all my Pokemon too far so I was using too many different Pokemon and leveling up too many different ones at once and therefore I didn't actually have any stronger ones, um, to really hold the team together. Okay, so if that is where our game started, where are we now? So, yeah, that's. Well, that's a really interesting part because for 15 years, I would say that nothing much actually changed at all. So the region would change. It, the setting would be the kind of be the same, but the region would be like, it would just basically be a different layout. It'd still be this sort of Pokemon world um, setting place. They kept adding in more Pokemon. They added in a couple of more random features like uh, breeding your Pokemon or they added in beauty contests at one what? point. I think then, oh, that for yeah. you or the Probably Pokemon. To get the I, for the Pokemon, but I assumed to get you know I assumed it was to get female players, but it was very that is like the shallowest. Yeah, of... yeah it, they actually removed them. I think a couple of generations ago because clearly 
you don't play Pokemon games to parade Pokemon. You you play Pokemon games to have cockfights with <laughs> animals. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. what you're saying. That's why you want to play the right. game. Right. Yeah, and they also add in different ways to interact with other players, different ways to evolve your Pokemon. And of course, as the graphics improved, technology improved. Sorry, the graphics would improve as the technology improved, um, which is just natural. Um, but in the end, it was pretty much the same game. And I would say, uh, don't be wrong, I played every generation from when I was seven or eight, maybe ten years old. But even I felt them felt pretty stale, and I only actually start playing, only pick them up if I can pick them up for cheap. Yeah, and I guess someone like me who sort of looked at the first one and, and sort of thought to themselves, that's kind of boring. There's nothing being added in that would make it then worthwhile to pick up later in the series. Yeah, they they definitely plateaued very quickly as far as um, the complexity and the style of game. Like There was just nothing else they could really add in which would be any use to the game or change any parts of the game to make it worthwhile playing. And, and they definitely tried. Like They added in different ways of battling, two-on-two, two, or you can do like rotational battles, but it was still the same game in essence too much in essence okay so but what you seem to be implying is that now there has been a change yes and it, it was definitely in the last generation that i don't know like, i don't know what's happened but i i get the impression that somebody has come somebody has obviously gone to the head of game freak or head development or head of design at game freak is like the studio within nintendo that do this and clearly somebody has tried to push in a different direction. And the differences, I would say, are actually pretty small, but it feels like the games are drastically different. And so what, I'll, what I mean by that is probably the, one of the main changes from the last generation, and which has moved into this one, is there's just been a slight visual change. And the, the change is, so all the games have been from top-down Pretty much you can see someone's face but you can't really see but it's all pretty much from like their hat or their hair downwards what happened last generation was that they pretty much just changed the camera camera angle slightly which sounds really arbitrary and tiny but because they changed the camera angle slightly suddenly the world itself looked completely different because you could actually see sky for example okay so and you could see the tops of buildings um all the models are now 3D as well. So because they're three-dimensional, it feels like there's a little bit more... Because there's a bit more literal depth in the game, the world itself started having a bit more depth as so well. So a bit more of a refreshing and interesting perspective, like literal perspective. Yeah, yeah. There was a literal change in depth, and therefore I think that actually started to come across as a change in depth in the world as well and what, what you're travelling through. And... As a part of that, I'd say the second main change is that they moved away from the generic Pokemon region world. I, I don't know, like if you've seen the television show, you'd know that it's this sort of weird science fiction-y Japanese-style world. Pokemon Japan, sort of. Yeah, it, it's hard to explain. Like it's very, it's very clear. There's a low, like it seems like there's a low population density, maybe, but it's all still very. Japanese and very stylized to a certain way. In the previous game, they basically move in. This previous game being Pokemon X and Y, 
they placed you in basically Europe. Okay. Which suddenly was a lot more interesting than what you'd already seen in all the other games. And what they did in Pokemon Sun is now you're travelling around Hawaii. Or they're called Aloha, but yeah, very clearly Hawaii. Okay, so they've got uh, more refreshing and varied settings as well. Yeah, and I think that general refresh helped a lot. And they started getting rid of some things that have been in there since the very start that were actually just getting annoying. Like I mentioned uh, that you have certain moves which basically prevented your progression. The idea with the moves is that you had to teach your Pokemon, the you had to teach the Pokemon that you had in your team these moves so they could then use them. And it was that, that was sort of part of it. Whereas in Pokemon Sun or and Moon, you basically just get a device which calls a Pokemon instantly to you that does the move for you, a random Pokemon. Okay. I assume that this is a like, big gameplay improvement. This is one of those things I think that doesn't translate quite so well to me because no, I don't I understand I don't understand enough of playing the game and what things are frustrating, but I do take your word for it that this is a significant improvement. Yeah. yeah. I think um, I was going to say I, I think what I'm trying to get at is they've started taking away features which are very archaic or have been in it since the very start and have just been in it because they've been in it from the start. They're just sort of um, like legacy. They're legacy. Yeah, that's it. Um, And I will say, and this, I guess, comes back to your very first question about the story itself. The story is now no longer an auxiliary additional thing that's just kind of like inserted in there it's a they're big parts of the game so i think in this one it was all about this, this sort of story going on of this um conservation organization and there may be corruption and it may be in cahoots with a, a one of whatever the gang of the region is i can't remember i think like skull team skull or something like that they um, sound villainous they may be yeah yeah they may be in cahoots, and there's also these sort of extra-dimensional Pokemon popping through tears in the fabric of reality, and all like all this extra stuff is going on. So it's it's, and I'd even say that the going around and doing the challenges—they're not even called gym battles anymore; they're called uh, island challenges. Going around doing them, and then beating the overall Elite Four was a bit was even felt more uh, secondary than the main story. Okay, that sounds pretty good to me, uh, from my what, perspective. Well, what I will say, it's still an anime, right? And I don't know, a, ch- a children's anime game. So the story itself is a bit anime-ish, I want to say, without offending anime fans. Uh, you know, it's very, it sticks to a couple of tropes. I feel that adults don't act like adults, children don't act like children. It's like to, a, to a there's extent. a style... Yeah. And it fits within. There that is a style, style yeah, yeah. And I, mean, I wasn't a huge fan of the story that was happening in Pokemon Sun, but that's because that's not why I was playing the game, I guess. So maybe, maybe I'm being a bit unfair towards it. But so that could be like personally, you didn't like it, but other people might really enjoy it. Yeah, true. And I think some of the things they did with it were pretty good, such as. Once you, or well, I guess once you've, uh, I, I want to say it without giving away spoilers. Don't I guess. spoil it. Once you, yeah, I know. Once you finish the story, 
there is there's like an end game as well like stuff stuff you get access to extra areas stuff stuff starts happening after the game's actually finished and credits are rolled which are really good I so think you're rewarded good. for finishing the storyline yes exactly okay it sounds like they've put a lot of like valuable effort into sort of refreshing and modernizing the series yeah they absolutely have um and they've you know they've added sort of extra stuff which is good such as getting to customize your character and what they look like nice that it's insignificant, but it's something that people it like. Is. I like it. I, I think it's something that should be thrown into a lot of games because it, it's probably reasonably low cost a lot of the time or low, like it's not difficult to implement and people get a lot of fun out of it, so why not? Yeah, okay. Would Do you think like this change in the recent generations is uh, like refreshing in order to like retain people who've been enjoying Pokemon for years or an attempt to start appealing to like new generations of fans who wouldn't have grown up with like the original cartoon and the original game. Yeah, good question. Thank I would you. say yeah, I would say it's definitely in there to probably entice new players. Because like I said, I was playing them regardless of how stale they were. It's still Pokemon. The Pokemon themselves are fun evolving him training him up that's really the fun. old nintendo that, model of releasing the same game once a year was holding yeah. strong yeah i think it holds strong especially for that nostalgia value but i don't think players coming in could potentially play what the old games were and so i'm guessing i could be wrong but it could be even a bit of both trying to refresh it the game series in a way but also trying to bring in new players into a modern 3ds game as opposed to probably what felt like a game boy game imported to ds and made it look like it belongs on a ds or 3ds hmm. that's really interesting um yeah and I so guess ha- also now they use i say that now they use the internet as well so you can trade over the internet also good um the other thing i was just going to ask is how long did it take you to finish the storyline so finishing the main story and also beating so the way it works is that the story the main storyline and the sort of beating the gyms and becoming champion of the region are sort of entwined so you can't really do one without completing the other and i i'll be honest i didn't dwell in areas to try and catch pokemon i didn't try and I, know, I didn't spend time having to train up my pokemon there was no grinding at all i completed both so when i when you complete both eventually you get the credits rolling i did that in about 30 hours okay yeah good to know like i have about 100 and something pokemon by the end 150 maybe oh weak very weak yeah there's 800 <laughs> so oh i have more now because i found out i could import but my Pokemon from my Pokemon Y game into this one. Okay. So I, li- I just literally just copy them all over. All right. Yeah. So I have 200 now, I think. Uh, any last verdicts? Um, if you like Pokemon, definitely play these ones, especially if you stopped a while ago f- for very good reasons. These ones are kind of a bit more worth playing and a bit more interesting to play. Yeah, that seems pretty wise. Yeah. Although they are 
kids' games. That's really important to remember. Pokemon, they're kids' games. They're not really family games. They're not targeted at an adult audience, despite having like a massive adult player base, um, comparatively to most kids' games. Yeah, they're, they're still aimed at children, and that's if, if you can if you're happy with that, then that's fine. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, cool. I spoke for ages. I apologize. You did giving us your like history of Pokemon. <laughs> uh, well, it wasn't really history. No, it was appreciated. It was just... Like it gave a lot of context for the new games. Yeah. Um, Good. So I would say just the last note before we leave is we like to do a little sort of additional short interesting things about gaming that we have been experiencing, and so. We're just going to do a very, like, soft plug or soft recommendation for a game called We Were Here. Um, it's on Steam. It's completely free. Hence, yeah. which is why we feel <laughs> particularly okay with recommending it, even though we haven't played all the way through. What we like about it is that it is a co-op game. It is a co-op puzzle game where... One person is exploring a castle and the other person is in a library finding all the clues that help... Inside the castle. Yeah, the library is also in the castle. So they're in a library where they have all the clues and information to help the person who's wandering around like all the corridors and rooms progress. And because you come across puzzles, you don't know how to open doors... You know, a room starts filling with water and you need to solve a puzzle before you drown. It's really, like, it's a nice co-op puzzle game. I found it really, like, it was really well done for a free game. I'm surprised at how... Yeah, because it's, it's, it's 3D. Um, you interact with all the objects. The graphics are, like, they're pretty good considering it is free. Yeah, it's quite polished for sort of a free game. Yeah. And yeah, the co-op works really well. Uh, didn't have any problems at all with that, I don't think. Ah, I you did. Because I wanted to use the walkie-talkies, like because you get walkie-talkies in the game, and so you meant to be at it. You meant to, you know, I think it's right-click and hold it to your mouth so you can talk to them. And you refused to. Do we it. were in the same room, okay, people. That's we not, were in the same I room. <laughs> I wanted to use the walkie-talkies and say over and out <laughs> as you drowned. Yes, yeah, so uh, we are going to work on completing this game. We're just go. I'm about to go to the US for five weeks, so we're going to do that when I get back. When we do, we'll probably throw it up on the Twitch channel. Uh, we'll let you know about it then. And the walkie-talkies will be working. Sean has insisted that we will play it properly with the walkie-talkies. Yeah. So anyway, if you are looking for co-op games, and if you're kind of like us, you're always looking for good new co-op games, here it is. We were here. It's on Steam. It's free. Cool. Alright. We might wrap it up there as we've gone for probably our longest recording ever, just looking at the time. Looks like. Well, thank you for listening all the way through, if you're still here. Well done. Yeah. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks. <laughs> so resentful. Well, no, I assume everyone now is like turned off, so I can be resentful and grumpy. Ah, uh, yes, he returns to the true Sean. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.